Welcome to another exciting episode of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavision Magazine, where we chat about the latest Sega, video game industry, and pop culture news. I'm Chris, the editor of Megavisions, and joining me this week is Scotty. Guys, I found my 101 vacation jokes book, so we're going to start it off here. What is the pig's favorite vacation spot? Hmm, That's I right. Don't... Wallow, wallow, Washington. Oh, I love that. Yeah, buckle up. <laughs> we also have Sketchcraft. Not making dad jokes. <laughs> I was going to say, probably not without any jokes this week. Um, so welcome back to another Megavision show. Uh, this is episode 15. We are like fresh off of the insanity of too many games. And we're going to talk all about too many games uh, on this uh, this episode of the show. It's pretty much just going to be, we're going to keep it pretty loose. We're going to talk about what we've been playing. Uh, we'll talk about all the stuff at too many games. And then we got uh, a few uh, questions from Scotty's mail sack that we'll be addressing uh, later on in the uh, the episode as well. We'll end it with my sack. That's, I think it's the best way to, to end the podcast, really, is just mm-hmm. uh, with, with your sack. But um, before we get uh, get going, though, why don't we go around and, and talk about what we've been playing? Uh, because I think we've all been playing a little bit of stuff there. So, uh, Sketchcraft, you want to start us off? Uh, sure. So you guys are aware of that thing called E3 uh, that happened a few few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Thankfully, we weren't there. Yeah, at the big E3 presser for Microsoft, they, amongst all the videos, they showed off this uh, DLC for Forza Horizon for uh, Lego Speedway Champions. I think it's called. It's a oh Lego. yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah it and, looks cool. So it's so got, it, does it like revamp everything, or is it like extra tracks exactly? It kind of confused let, me how they present. Let, it, let me it, get there. Let me get there. So so I got super excited. I'm like fucking Lego Forza Horizon, and I don't have an Xbox, and I'm not buying one, but. I got a new PC in here for my video editing. I do on Sketchcraft uh, YouTube channel. And so <laughs> it's super set up for PC gaming. And I normally don't do it, but I bought Forza on the oh, Microsoft man. Store. And I pre-ordered the, uh, the DLC and it auto-installed. And I went to go play it. Now, if you've never played Forza before, Forza Horizon, and you're like, all right, I just want to play the Lego shit, no dice. It took me four hours to fucking unlock <laughs> Wait, so you have to actually play through the game just to unlock it after you buy it? You got to go through at least an initial. So they have the seasons in the game are set up by like, uh, they're literally set up by seasons. So okay. so you start off with spring or summer, and then you have to go to autumn and then winter. So by the time I got to autumn, somewhere around there, the Lego thing unlocked. But it took about four hours of casual playing. Maybe, I guess if you're a hardcore person, it probably would have taken you maybe a couple hours. But yeah, that was a little annoying because I was just sitting there. I'm like, I know we don't play games for more than four hours, like total guys, like because of my work schedule. Like I play a game for about four hours. I'm like, well, that was fun. You know, I'm going to long play the rest. Someone else got to finish this game for me, um, except for Dragon Quest Eleven, which I'm still playing. And uh, but I'm determined to play open world Lego stunt racing because I love stunt racing and I love Legos. So I stuck with it. And it is awesome, but it took four hours to get there. So it's a separate section. So you, there's this little like area in the game around the center of the map that has like this abandoned train yard. And when you go there, you can log into the Lego Speed Zone, and it loads it up, 
And then you have this whole like intro where you start in the real world and then you slowly go down a track. It's got more Lego shit. And eventually you're in a whole Lego like mini area with a desert area, a beach area, a haunted forest, a little city, an airport. So it's tons. And you could just plow through all sorts of Lego shit. You can drive your real car, your Lego car in there. It doesn't really matter. It's your choice. Um, Super fun though, man. So I've been basically doing that in my free time. Uh, listening to you, are you familiar with the band called Cassiopeia? I've never can't say I am. No, they're an Asian. They're, they're a jazz fusion band from Japan since the seventies. Them and T Square are two of the biggest of those. Um, and a lot of their music was sort of inspired. Like if you've listened to Wave Race sixty four, you're like, well, that that was definitely inspired by T Square Cassiopeia. It has a very Sonic Adventure feel to their music. So anytime I listen to Castle P, I just imagine Sonic just endlessly running. You know, if, I, if we could do a Sonic Adventure remake, it'd be them that I would pull to make the music. So I just had Castle P on a every album they have for 30 years on a loop, just driving through this area. Uh, it was it's a lot of fun, man. Like I just want a full open world Lego racing game where I can construct my own car with Lego pieces. You know. Uh, build my own towns my own raceways whatever it's the it's the best lego i've done in a game since the first like lot star wars lego adventures i was like 2005 right right was that on xbox 2005 was the first star wars lego game so for me it's it's uh it's super awesome and worth every dime if you're into that sort of thing it's weird that it's we haven't gotten a full-fledged lego racing game yet and we got it and what's yeah it's I was so say there's been some but so it's fun. Like anytime you win a game, it, it goes back to your. You have this in, these in-game human avatars, and it's like when you're when you're when you're playing, you see the car and you go, "All right, everything feels Lego size." But then they put a human next to it. You're like, "No, it's real world Lego size." Like I always thought, like that might have been an interesting take on the sequel for the Lego movie. Like bring the the Legos like humans into the Lego world. Like holy shit, what is this Lego <laughs> human scale Lego cars? Is it's, it's pretty amazing to see, especially with. You know, all the modern rendering. and I know it's Legos. What kind of rendering? But it does look pretty cool. when you. And there's tons of, like, Easter eggs. When you drive through the desert, there's, like, UFOs out there and, you know, little Art Bell references. There's a little, like, Bob Lazar, like, references in there. I was too. going through my Bob Lazar voices. Oh, here is really as far. It's not, not really Area 51. <laughs> it's common mistakes. Oh, man. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I can't get enough of Balbazar these days. I've, I've been going deep on uh, YouTube uh, documentaries on Balbazar this past week because obviously we we listened. Uh, Do we 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 listened to some of the Joe Rogan podcast? I think with Balbazar on it while we were driving around um, during the weekend and stuff. So um, I I love you know researching Balbazar and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know what to make of him, but um, well, I always recommend you you know you listen to George Knapp talk about him because he's the guy who first interviewed bob and broke the story um a guy i'm not a, the biggest fan of joe rogan anymore so i haven't listened to that particular take on it but if it brings you to the story it's definitely interesting and uh, i don't want to veer the whole podcast into ufology <laughs> but bob lazar is a guy that i find deeply fascinating on many levels and so lego horizon bob lazar cassiopeia it's been a lot of fun since we got back from too many games it definitely has. Um, I can picture you playing it and your wife walking in and being like, that doesn't look like, like I know, I know it's not Legos yet. It will be soon. <laughs> she was just confused by the whole like 
you you can't just load the game up and play that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. understandably so. <laughs> yeah, I was too. So that that was a little weird. But other than that, it, it works great. You would think though that 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 is kind of a weird thing because especially now, like new newcomers into that game, they'd have to know that they're going to get a, a a new audience coming into it that are buying it just to be able to play the Lego stuff. Like they're not interested in playing any of the old Forza stuff. Like they. So you'd think that they would give them a way that they could just jump right in and unlock it and just go from the, like, from the very beginning. And perhaps the, the majority part. of those new players would be younger, one would think. I mean, I know I'm sort, of, I'm sort of the exception. I'm like a 40-year-old guy who's like, Legos! You know, Spaceman! So, uh, Starship! Um, so you, to go through all the other stuff, it's not hard. It's not... It's not like Gran Turismo where you have to get licenses and shit, you know? You're like, this fucking thing. <laughs> but it is... It is like a level of, of, oh, I got these cars. And, and then, I don't know, like Forza, I, I, I applaud the open world fun driving where you can just crash your car and not worry about the whole thing breaking and, you know, that kind of thing. You can just have fun. Um, but their ingrained, their, their currency in game is weird. So there's, there's, there's credits you get for doing things like breakout, you know, if you just random things while you're driving. But then there's like, influencer points i guess what they're calling it and that's oh, how you, yeah yeah or you have to, like, I remember this and the influencer points is how you unlock different things and it's just that's a whole thing where i'm like man i just i don't i don't <laughs> i don't care <laughs> i just just give me the whole world and challenges and let's go explore the world i'm still waiting for this perfect blend between like forza and motorstorm and lego you know like that's what i want i want a forza motorstorm island like an island where it's got all the different, uh, it's got ice and desert and all that stuff, but it's got crazy shit and monsters you got to drive around in and, you know, some weird blend. Like if I could get it to look like Forza, Motorstorm, and Link's Awakening. <laughs> you know? That's a very Lego. specific. You know. <laughs> and I, I like, you guys remember that game Fireball Island back in the 80s? It was like a board game called Fireball Island. Uh, no, I don't think I do. It's like it's like it's it's touted as the greatest board game ever. It's the coolest looking box for a board game. It's not the coolest board game per se, but it was always like, man, I want the Fireball Island of racing games, you know. So, but there's a lot of love, a lot of fun to be heading for. So, you know, all this. It's not as bad as when you you ever load up a Need for Speed game and you got to go through some shitty Fast and the Furious wannabe storyline. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's not like that. I I, def, I I saw it as I was scrolling through uh, the Xbox store earlier today as I was trying to just find something uh, something new to play and I I saw that and I was like huh but now that now that you you kind of talked about it, I don't know if I'm gonna jump into that right right now so um, but uh, Scotty what have you been playing and what have you been up to um, speaking of kids and racing uh, for some reason I played more Team Sonic Racing I think I just oh, no. I just I, I really want to like this game but and I thought I'd hop into a couple of quick online matches and I just I get my ass handed to me and I like barely get squeak out of last place in those and I don't know why and then I think oh I didn't play the story because I hate it and I haven't unlocked anything to soup up my car so I'm like I'll go do that and I play the story a little bit and, you know, it's a weird mix of confusion, especially if they're targeting children at all with this game, because like the races in the story are a joke, like with your teammates, you will get first, no problem every time, or at least stack up your amongst your team, no matter what place the other uh, teammates land in, you'll still get first somehow. And 
that's cool. And then I go to a ring challenge, which you have to um, just drift like mad and collect all the rings to keep your top speed up and the timer down. And you like add seconds with every ring that you get and everything. And I can, I, I like barely squeak, but there's um, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum for those. And it's based on like bronze, you get a hundred rings, you get bronze. 400 is silver, or I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 400 is silver and it goes on from there. And it's like, I can barely get a bronze. And it's just like, what do I just not know how to play games? Cause I can barely get past these challenges. Then I go into a race and it's a joke and I get first without even trying. Then I go online and get my ass handed to me. So it's just like, I don't know if I hate this game or if I suck at this game, but it's um, my opinion of it has not changed. <laughs> to have both be true at the same time. You th- You said what? <laughs> I think it's possible for both of those to be true. You can hate it and suck at it at the same time. Yeah, uh, that's how I, it's, I don't, I don't know why I'm trying. I think like I want to just warrant my purchase at this point. And I feel like that's why I'm trying to get through the story mode. Um, But it's just like online is ridiculous because you cannot ever fill a room, whether you go into casual or ranked or whatever. So I don't know if people are like only playing with their friends because it's a weird lobby setup thing. Uh, But I don't know. For some reason, I'm still playing that game. Uh, I will say just my absolute still biggest complaint is you can't just unlock and soup up the cars that you want to soup up. You do that by with loot boxes like you use your R points or whatever they are. And it's like every 10 R points, you can blast open a capsule to get something. And usually it goes with the person you've been racing as most. So for me, that's tails right now. And um, I know shock and amaze, it's not Knuckles because Knuckles isn't great for top speed, but like it's supposed to give you stuff for the character you race as, but I'll randomly get like, oh, you get better tires for Big the Cat. Oh, you want this sweet chassis for Shadow? Yes, you do. But it's random, so I have no say in it, and that's the biggest, dumbest thing in the world for this game. The one Um, thing I I do remember playing that game, I haven't played a lot of it, but uh, from what I do remember playing, it doesn't seem like any of the the different... um, I guess tiers like so you have like the the fast characters the ones that are kind of all around and then the bigger yeah. ones that are you know slower but they have like you know um uh, you know bigger weight to them or whatever same thing in Mario Kart right, right. Um, but it doesn't seem like they really stick within those lanes like it seems like all the cars are about the same speed uh they, and, yeah there's and, no boosts that anyone gets in the beginning it doesn't matter yeah it's just it's just weird so it's it seems like it doesn't really matter like who you pick because it, it's it, they're all so similar to each other there doesn't seem to be like that drastic of a difference between characters from different categories that it actually translates to anything mm-hmm. meaningful like in a race well it it does actually and i only learned this from watching other people's reviews and stuff um the the so there's the three classes essentially there's speed there's technique and there's um i don't know we'll call it strength because i don't know the other name um so you got speed sonic technique is tails strength is knuckles speed is just that you get i think you have a longer maybe team boost i could totally be making that up but technique characters like Tails, you can drive straight through hazards. So if there's like slime or water or like mm. something on the track, you can just drive through it like it's a normal track. So that's mainly why I'd race as him, because you can't tell when hazards are on the road or if it's just background colors or what sometimes. But um, and the other the the bigger kind of heavier characters, they can crash right through certain obstacles rather than getting stopped and not being able to go through them. So there are slight benefits um but so that's why i stick with tails because some some levels that you're like suddenly on the wall and it's like oh slimy 
uh, or it's like things of slime and stalagmites and stuff or stalactites. And then suddenly, oh, you're on the floor, but there's crystals you can't normally drive over. But Tails can because he's a technique character. And, you know, before you realize it, it's too late. So that's why I go with him kind of. But, uh, oh, the story's dumb. Uh, I think I really just I'm going to finish this campaign and probably never touch this game unless somebody wants to hop online again. Because it's man, I don't know why I want to like it. Maybe I think part of it was also like. Everybody's talking about Crash Team Racing. I'm like, oh, this is in my PS4 right now. I'll pop this in for a couple online matches. It's racing, but, you know, that's that's other than Rocket League. That's really been me because I've just been recovering from too many games. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so I've been playing a little bit of stuff. Uh, I uh, I started streaming Citizens of Space on Friday. Sure did. Um, <laughs> and that was, man, I, I played, did, did either of you guys play the first game, Citizens of Earth? No. I watched someone play a good bit of it, but not I don't I never played it myself. Yeah, it's kind of a weird game, but uh so this one is a, the sequel to that one. I think Citizens of Earth came out a couple of years ago. Uh and I streamed it for a little over an hour and I don't really feel like I got anywhere in it. Um it's it's a weird game, man. Um the the graphics look really weird too. It almost looks like uh you know, like uh, a flash type of game, how they had those kind of weird looking flash type graphics. It, it's, it feels like that uh, aesthetic to me from a visual standpoint and, um, and everything. But I will say that uh, playing the first game and this game, like the, the voice acting is really, really well done. Uh, I, I don't know who the voice actor is for the main character. I think uh, they just call him the ambassador, uh, but he's, he's really good. Uh, it's the writing's pretty good too. It's pretty funny. Uh, I just I still need to get into a little bit more to to feel like I'm kind of like in the meat of the game. I think I barely finished the opening portion um, of of that game, so I'll, I'll be playing that some more. I may I'm probably not going to live stream it again because after the fact uh, I realize like that's not a very good like stream friendly game. It's just very slow paced and there's not a lot going on in certain uh, in most of the uh, not just not a lot of action. So I felt like I needed to do something with it because Sega sent us a code over. We weren't able to review it just because of all the insanity that's been happening over the past few weeks. Uh, so I wanted to do something with it. So I figured I'd live stream it. Uh, and it just, it was kind of a stinker um, on the live stream. So probably won't be doing that again. Um, but I have been playing Bloodstained, uh, The Curse of the Moon. And that game is, uh, man, I, I'm sure you guys have probably like seen either YouTube videos or heard people talk about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of controversial or it, it's polarizing, I should say more than anything. Cause some people have had some really great experiences with it and have really loved the game. Uh, but other people have had issues with like bugs and some that are game breaking bugs and other things that uh, some like updates, I think an, an update that got pushed through this past week on the PS4 ended up rendering some, uh, treasure boxes, you couldn't open them, and you needed those to actually get an item to progress in the game. And they basically came out with a like a uh, a statement and said that the only way to fix it is to basically start over and start a new game. Uh, which is, I would be pretty pissed if I was like you know hours and hours into that game and uh, and then had to start all over. But I've been playing it. I'm probably about three or four hours in so far, and I haven't had really any issues with it. Uh, I noticed that every once in a while, the game kind of stutters a little bit. Uh, like, it almost looks like it's going to lock up, but then it 
smooths out and, and I uh, can keep playing. But other than that, not a lot of uh, graphical uh, glitches or anything like that. Can it, I? Yeah, I'm going to put you off that I just, just dawned on me. You said Curse of the Moon. I think you mean Ritual of the Night. I do. Yes, Ritual of the Night. The new one that just came out. Because um, I, I played it for about four hours as well. So I was like, Curse of the Moon, we, we already reviewed. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, my yeah. bad. Um, I, I, be, I always get those two mixed up because I, I just can't remember which one's which. But yeah, the, the new one that, that just released. Um, so you played it too, Rob. Yeah, it's got some. It's it's weird. It has some slowdown in areas where there'll be nothing on screen. Mm-hmm. Like you just have like candles glowing, and you're like, "What is the slowdown coming from?" <laughs> um, look, it for a a first you know pass at them making their own version of a Castlevania game since you know, uh, Iga is it Iga. How do I pronounce his last name? Igarushi, I think. Igarushi left. Um, you know, it's way. You know, it's it's pretty good. I would put it on par with like some of the Game Boy Advance, you know, um, Castlevania games. Those are uh, awesome too, by the way. Like, yeah, I, those I, are I really, awesome. I, I dug some of those, man. I played those a lot. The thing I, that I was like, yeah, I don't want to bum on it, but I'm like, you know, the, the story is not very good. Uh, it's it's not that it's a good story. It's just that it's like one of these things where you're watching a cutscene and it's like, and there's these things, and then we got these shards and we put these people with shards, but then we had to hunt them down, and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, like it's all this. It's like three other movies worth of shit happened before the game starts, and you're like, I can't. Why can't it just be simple? Like you're one person, you know what I mean? Who's trying to fight? I don't know, hell, like a Cthulhu. I don't know. It, why can't it just be so simple? Like, I, I I agree with you, but I also think it's it's kind of on par with a lot of those uh, Castlevania Zelda or uh, Game Boy games because a lot of them had just bizarre storylines that really didn't make a lot of sense. Um, well, that's exactly my point. Like yeah. they, those Game Boy games were not the best, you know. And the, this game is more like Rondo of Blood and you know Symphony of the Night, where it's just a little bit more straightforward. Because I, I mean, let's be honest, we're not. We're not going into these games for the deep storylines. You know what I mean? Like you just want likable characters, killer soundtrack. You want to do some awesome moves, um, get the crafting down. So I'll say it's it's very the play control is pretty good. It's not as floaty as I was fearing. You know, for a lot of these like 3D uh, games, kind of have a floaty effect. Mm-hmm. I think the bloom is probably a little too much at times. You're like, there's a lot of bloom, um, but it's pretty. I, I do think though. The uh, the 3D characters and the 3D like enemy designs can get lost amongst the backgrounds. Does that make any sense? Like it's it's hard sometimes to differentiate between like what the hell am I fighting? What is that? A skeleton with a blob thing in it? Or yeah, so... yeah, I know I, I know what you mean. Some of those uh, those blobby looking things are just very gray, and you can run right into them, not without even noticing that they're there. But um, those are the ones I've I've kind of noticed. I've had some issues with um a few times but um i will say like the the models themselves like looking at them i think they some of them look really really cool uh they have some cool styling to them i I would say yeah i mean look it's it's still a good game but the optimizations of of the the, all the ports it's it's obviously a a big release from a small studio you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty evident but given all of that uh if you're looking for more Castlevania, it's it's pretty much there. You're not going to get it from Konami anytime soon. I almost wish, look, in my dream world, it would, it, the the cats, was it Vanillaware, the guy that did, the, the cats that did Odin Sphere and yes. Miramasa? Yeah, Vanillaware. Yeah, if, if, if Igarushi could 
hook up with them <laughs> that would be rob's dream um <laughs> but it'd make it lego and then they could also race too egovania oh my god thank you thank you thank you chris thank oh, you for no. putting that what, out what there. did i yeah. start <laughs> i want legovania <laughs> in vr oh my god um but yeah uh you know the one thing that is really cringy about this game though too um and i'm not gonna say a bunch of bad stuff because i actually really enjoying it but the names, like the the character names, are so weird. There's like one the the bad guy's name's like Jeebel or something, but it's spelled G E B E L. Like, I'm like, what is going on there? Like, who would name a, a person that? Like, that is such a stupid sounding name, and he's supposed to be the bad guy. Um, it feels like a, a a really bad late '90s, you know, translation. You know, where you're like, right. it's kind of like when I I love Final Fantasy Tactics. It's my second favorite game of all time. But that original translation, sometimes they're saying shit. You're like, I don't know what the fuck you even mean. You know, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't, you know, thou hast either for, and you're like, what? You know, all right, man. Like we all just fucking fight this fucking game. So yeah, it has some weird names. And so, so the, the story stuff is the weakest, you know, part of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think that's pro probably true for, a lot of the Castlevania games, like after Symphony and Night, I think the, you could say the story is the weakest part of those games. They just never um, really could come up with a, a really strong storyline. I know pe some people out there are going to be like probably banging their heads against the desk right now. Listen to this. But um, I would say that's probably the weakest part of the series, um, you know, from Symphony Night going forward or after that, I would should say. Um, but the, the gameplay has always been pretty strong for for these uh style of games and i'd say that you know like you were saying earlier rob i mean this is the closest we're gonna get to symphony of the night uh nowadays and um i'm i'm hoping that they'll continue to uh refine this game and, and address some of the bugs and stuff especially with the switch version apparently it runs at like uh like at 30 frames per second uh it's not good it's not everything good. i've heard online is like don't play it which the, like the sadist in me is like i kind of want to play it now <laughs> to see how bad it is so i'm probably gonna pick it up just because i, I just want to see if it's really that bad um it probably plays like haunted castle if you if you know yeah. what i'm talking about so. Yeah. Um. so i'll probably be picking it up at some point because i i, I would imagine they're at they're gonna fix it it's gonna get to where it needs to be at some point eventually um but i i just you know like like i said like just being curious um i just want to kind of check that out so um one other thing because uh i think we could do some like what we've been watching real quick too before we get into the rest of the show uh while we were all out here we took some time and went and watched uh, oh here we go the new child's play oh okay movie. <laughs> uh, oh i'm not gonna talk about brain scan okay but, all right uh, you, all right you said the name that's enough okay we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll save that um but we did go uh see uh child's play and rob i think we had somewhat differing opinions on the movie um what did you think overall on on the new child's play uh it's all i mean it's it's one of those things you watch and you're like you know that it just could have gone a little further um it's all right it's not a bad time but it's just first i don't understand the face design of the new chuggy i don't get it i don't get the look of it i just i feel like you know they were trying to find a way to do something that was practical because they didn't obviously have the budget for cgi chuggy and retain some of the feel from the original movie but 
it's like they really should have hooked up with Henson puppets or I don't know someone that knew what they were doing with that because it it I, I think the the animation in the face on the puppet looks worse than the eighties one. Um, oh, for sure. I, I I think the yeah the the eighties one definitely looks a lot better. There's just no way that would become a popular toy with kids. Like you're living in Bizarro World with this film. Like, and and I feel this way with most of these remakes of of horror movies from the eighties. I feel like if you're gonna remake a movie, especially a horror movie, it kind of has to be remade set in the year the film originally took place. Because if you think about a movie like Jason, and now we have cell phones, it doesn't work in the modern day. You need to go back to the seventies, you know, where you didn't have. They were designed around the limitations of the era too, you know. Like people didn't come up with futuristic slasher films. They not really except Brain Scan. Um, but <laughs> Aubrey Plaza was enjoyable. I mean, she she's always fun to watch. I, I don't. Uh, the movie leaves a lot of gaping like holes and plots and stuff, like where characters die, and you're like, why did this character die and no one like a janitor died in the building? It's not a big spoiler, but you're like, how come no one in the building was told their janitor was murdered? Like, I don't know. Like, this is weird shit like that, where you're like, uh, for a Cinemax style direct to video film, you kind of let that stuff go because you're just kind of getting to it, you know. Um, but it was all right, you know. I mean, yeah, like I, I think. You know, sometimes I definitely like when they when they take these movies and they they remake them and they they keep them back in the same time frame when they were originally made, um, because they can do new stuff with it. They have like new techniques and um, new tech that they can go back and and do some really cool stuff uh, with uh, some of those movies. But I also kind of appreciate it when they don't just try to completely retread everything and they they try to do something new and put a new spin on. It. And that's what they did. With um with like Chucky in this one where they basically made him a smart a smart toy, and it kind of goes in and looks at some of the some of the the the, the pitfalls where we could go down with yeah. like having a smart house uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and in a way, it's hold on like one a, second. This is but this is where I groan because it's written by people screenwriters in Hollywood who don't use any of this shit, and so. It's. It feels like. It, look, you have to go back to get what I'm talking about. You have to go back in time to the '90s when Sandra Bullock had to fight the internet in the movie The Net. You know, and you look at it now, you're like, this is ridiculous. Like, it doesn't work like that at all. And and I mean, ever since I was a kid, anytime a screenwriter got a hold of computers, generally speaking, it turns into a scene like in Jurassic Park where they're like fast typing into a 3D holographic. You know, this is a Unix machine and just shit like that. And so with this, it's like smart devices, like if I say the A word, it'll go off right now. It doesn't even know half the shit. You, you, sometimes you ask for the weather and these fucking things don't work. So and then it doesn't work smart enough is the other problem with the movie. So it's it, things in real life don't work that smart. And then for as much smarts as the AI in this movie has, it doesn't go smart enough. Like Chucky can control cars that have this, but not really. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, he doesn't become like a lawnmower man, cyber guy that takes over. I mean, that'd be great if he took over everything and then all the robots were chucking. He took over the world. And he lived in like a T, you know, T2 hellscape where little dolls were fucking <laughs> yeah, oh, like taking over the entire world. Yeah, right. right? Chucky Geddon. You know, that'd be the sequel. Child's Play to Chucky Geddon. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps I just think a little more adventurous, you know? Yeah. Um, um, I will say that. I think that it, the, this movie had some decent kills in it too. There was one in particular um, 
that involved a a lawnmower that I thought was was really well done, uh, and some of the payoff afterwards was pretty funny. Um, and so that was that was pretty good. I overall I thought it was a, a fun movie. Uh, it's definitely not the best Chucky movie, not the best child's play movie out there. Um, I heard that they had to make this. It was one of those where they had to make the film to keep the uh, just to keep the the like IP. Yeah, to keep the IP, and it feels so, like uh, a script that needed another, you know, six months to a year where you sit down, and it's just, I mean, like, I've worked on properties like that where, hey, we're going to lose it, so we have to put something into production, mm-hmm. and you just get, and you're like, guys, I mean, like, there's just, there didn't feel like there was a central vision for the film. Even if you go back to, look, I like some low-grade horror stuff. I, I went to the theaters and saw Freddy versus Jason, right? Not the best Freddy movie, not the best Jason movie. But still, it felt like there was a singular vision behind that film. Does that make any sense? Like, you were like, oh, this is the director doing this, and I get this, and I have this. Yeah. All right, you know? So even if it's not all the way there, this, I couldn't tell who made this. It felt like a Netflix thing, you know? Or So it, it wasn't almost... the original creator who made it. I, f- I forget his name. Um, it was uh, a, another studio who, who did it. So I guess he's going to be making some sort of, uh, he's working on a Child's Play series, I think. You should make All a right. VR game. That'd be great. So, yeah, Chucky so. VR. <laughs> so yeah, that was um. So we ended up watching Child's Play, and I think it, it, we came away. It was it was not the best movie. It was fun. Um, I also went and saw Annabelle Comes Home, which is kind of weird because it's it's they're both out at the same time and they're both kind of similar. Uh, you know, little dolls and stuff. And um, I I think Annabelle Comes Home is overall. a a better movie but it gets super wacky <laughs> in certain areas as well uh and so uh I, I i don't know these it's like the fourth annabelle movie it seems like nowadays and now like when i watch these movies i'm always kind of looking out for like if they're trying to introduce some new like character or legend where they can spin off and make another movie out of it because uh, it seems like that's the thing that they do now. It's like, oh, there's a nun movie. And now there's La Llorona and all this other stuff that all kind of fits within, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, what are their uh, Lorraine, like uh, the the Warners or I forget their name, um, that these movies are kind of based around all these. The like, Warrens, I think they the were. Warrens, the Warrens, the Warrens. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And so it seems like they're, there's almost like a shared universe being uh, created for the Warrens uh, these days, but um, it wasn't. It, I, I think Annabelle Comes Home is probably a better movie. So if if you ever get around to watching that one, uh, Rob, I'd like to kind of pick your brain and see what you thought about that. So yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm for horror movies where we sort of like low budget superhero things where you know you could do a lot with little, and they're kind of like little shared pocket universes. And there's the people who have the superpowers are generally the villains, right? Mm-hmm. So that's so you're always got like normal people going against superpowered creatures. So I'm I'm always up for that. Um, but I don't know. Like it's just it's always weird with horror movies because it's generally never the first. It's, sometimes it's the first one that gets you, and sometimes it's the third one. There's never any rhyme or reason to it, right? Like like in in the Freddy Land for me, it's one, three, and New Nightmare, which is like seven, right or six. I can't remember the numbers. I think so. seven is is New Nightmare. So what was six? I remember five was Dream Warrior or Dream Child. What was? Yeah, because three were... three was the Dream Warriors, right? And then yeah, uh, see see what I mean? There's I, that I... <laughs> that four, five, six there. So I just say New Nightmare. So I forget. Um, 
and then with Fred, with Jason, I don't fucking know, man. You know, like, <laughs> like there's just scenes in Jason where I'm like, well, that scene was great, and this scene was great. Uh, so, but it was a good time. I mean, you know what's fun about a horror movie is you don't care if people talk out loud, like motherfucker, like they're, people are always screaming. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> oh, at New Nightmare was number seven. I just looked it up real quick. What was uh, six? The final um, six, yeah, and then five before that was the Dream Child, Dream, Dream Master. Child. Before that, Dream, Dream Master. I get yeah. Master and Child. Was Master the one with the nunchucks? Oh uh, boy, I don't <laughs> even remember. Which shows you how memorable that one is. Hmm. It's been a while. It's been a while. It, yeah. the, the 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 so the the six was the final nightmare. Was that? Uh, yeah, six was final nightmare, and then new nightmare was when they made the movie in real time or whatever. That was yeah. actually a, a a really scary one too. I like that I, one. I, I really like that one. It was a lot better than it probably would have looked like on paper. Uh, and but they pulled it off, and it was I I really liked it. So anyway, we got way off topic there. Um, so yeah, so if you guys want to go see a, a fun new uh, horror movie, check out either Annabelle Comes Home or Child's Play. But if you want to go and watch a good old school horror movie, go check out Brain Scan because that that's some fun stuff there. And it has Edward Furlong from uh, Terminator Two. It's on Blu-ray. Yeah, it is. It's so. on Blu-ray. I'm probably going to buy it. <laughs> you should. Um, I want to buy it because it has the director. It has interviews with the director, and I want to know what the fuck he was thinking. <laughs> um, and I saw Aladdin. <laughs> We're talking about movies. I don't know. I don't have anything to say about it, though. I saw Aladdin. Was Will Smith uh, his his model as bad as it looked? And, and No, he was fine. It? He was fine. The movie felt forced and the pacing was weird. There were two new songs and I mean, it's not going to be as good as the original. It was okay, but I'm not going to rush out and buy it. Were the songs all new recordings? Uh, Yes. Yes, they sure were. That's what I don't know if I'm going to like for the Lion King movie. Oh yeah. I don't know, but the songs in Aladdin and the new Aladdin, they, they felt they didn't, they didn't have the emotion that they did back in the day. I don't know. It's all right. Good. No, mm, no. We watch and we watch some more sliders. So, but what else is new? Sliders. Yeah. Hell yeah. Man, season two starts off and it pissed Rachel off. That's all I'm gonna say. (laughs) If you haven't gotten there, Chris, I won't spoil anything. But it's it's weird. I haven't gotten there yet. So okay, uh, we definitely pick it up. We've 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 been uh we've been sliding a little bit on sliders, so we need to get back on track. Yeah. So, um. All right. Now let's let's get into some too many games talk uh because man it was uh quite a whirlwind uh i think what we probably should do is like let's just start at the beginning of the week because uh, i think there's let's some start some... with how i arrived in new jersey and it immediately poured rain when this when i could first read the sign welcome to new jersey that's when the trip i felt started <laughs> <laughs> so you were drove okay so you drove in what what day was it because i've, I've i drove up. in i booked it from work wednesday night and drove in and i probably got in like around 11 or so maybe close to that like 10 30 at night yeah yeah so Marson got in a little earlier. I went and picked him up from the airport. Then we came back to the house. He got here pretty early, and uh, we were just basically waiting because uh, uh, Sketchcraft, you were coming in later that night. I think you were supposed to get in around like eleven thirty or twelve. Um, around eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scotty gets in. 
and that's when it starts raining pretty bad and we're it, we're looking at the weather and it's saying that we're going to have some really bad thunderstorms and stuff and honestly like it, i've got gotten used to that we we get lots of thunderstorms here and they talk about flooding all the time um one thing is i do live in a like a flood zone and the last time it actually flooded was during like hurricane sandy so it's been a while um from then our house was was raised uh you know about like eight feet off the ground not eight feet about six feet i should say off the ground so we're pretty safe from floods but we've had some scares over the years but it's not actually flooded since we've lived here uh and so we had all these warnings coming in so i wasn't that worried about it because it happens a lot and nothing's up happening you know like we get the, the flood warning so anyway so scotty uh me you and marson drive to the airport uh about like i think around 11 ish because rob i think you message us and say like hey my our flight's been delayed so now i'm supposed to get in like 12 30 and uh so we end up leaving the house around 11 30 or so uh and by the time we get to the airport it's like downpouring like it's it is coming down like i've never seen it and uh there's lightning all over the place and then you finally land i think what like 12 30 or so and then uh no i landed at at 11 30 but i was on the runway for almost two hours yeah they, they wouldn't let plane. you guys off because it was just so much lightning right because there was lightning warnings and apparently they can't let you off the plane when there's a lightning warning <sighs> so us and everyone in the airport was stuck there employees included waiting for four airplanes to just be let off we're all just sitting there oh man it was that that sucked i felt I felt bad for you guys just being stuck on there. We were we were in the cell phone waiting lot, just hanging out basically and, and and getting some sleep while we waited for you. But anyway, we finally got you about like one thirty or so, uh, maybe two o'clock. Start driving back, and it's just a torrential downpour. We're gra- driving like thirty miles an hour uh, on the interstate back from the Philadelphia airport, going back into Jersey. And we finally make it home. I think Scotty, you were it was touch and go there. I thought you you seemed very nervous driving back with the uh with that weather. Huh? Wait, what do you mean? I think I think it was like or maybe it was Marson. I think Oh was Marson like was the one that kept saying, Can you see? Can you see? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, Martin I was I was like half awake because I had just driven five and a half hours. So I'm just like <laughs> and I it was funny because you initially said like Oh, if you want to just hang here with the kids and and uh, whatever, uh, we'll go pick up, uh, pick up uh, Sketchcraft. I was like, no, the hype is real. I'm energetic. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I'm like pumped. I'm jazzed. And then meanwhile, I took a nap in the backseat of your Tahoe while we were waiting for Sketchcraft. Yeah, it was it was funny. It was Marson. He was like super nervous. He, I think he wanted me to pull over and just wait it out. I'm like, dude, there's no way. I'm I've, I've driven through way worse than this. We're getting home. We make it home. And uh, we all, you know, go to bed, hit the hay. And uh, in the morning, like, it's still coming down. Like, it basically rained through the whole night. And I uh, talked to my neighbors, and they're, thinking, they're, you know, they're saying, like, hey, like, this might be a, a real, like, flood this time because it's, you know, it's, it's the, the, the creek behind our house is, is raising up quite a bit. We've gotten a lot of rain. And, uh, and so we need to start, like, thinking about, like, moving all the the stuff from down in the uh the carport and the crawl space upstairs and like move our our vehicles out and so we wait a couple hours just to kind of see what's happening and then 
it looks like it's really going to start flooding. So we move everything. We by the time we get back, like the water is probably an inch or so across our whole driveway and the street in front of my house. And it probably didn't take but a few hours after that. Um, it, yeah, so it started really getting heavy, right? Yeah, I want to bump in real quick to to my introduction. My introduction to this day was um, we probably went to bed like two or three thirty, maybe even closer to four. But then like like eight o'clock, eight thirty, your wife wakes me up. She's like, "Scotty, you need to go move your car." And I'm thinking to myself, like, "Oh, I'm probably blocking one of the kids in or something." <laughs> and she's, I'm like, "Oh, okay." And uh, I was like barely moving. She probably saw, so she's like, "Yeah, it looks like uh, the water's coming up, so you're gonna have to move." And I have a low, I have a little Scion XB, so it's already low to the ground. So I moved my car, and it was already kind of skimming the water. So it was probably at that point like half a foot of water or something. Uh, and so, yeah, we moved all our stuff and then we drove back and your wife parked your Tahoe like away from the house. And we kind of, we were all awake at that point, even though it was like not even 9am yet. We're all like up and just like watching, like, this is it. I guess we're going to be safe here or die. <laughs> so we legit flooded and the water got like really, really high. Uh, and within a few hours, like it was over like a foot deep and then it got like two feet deep and then i think it was like close to two and a half to three feet in like certain areas um in our our neighborhood and it was nuts like the news came out and they i think my wife got interviewed at that one was point. the dumbest thing um <laughs> and so then, stupid and they then, wanted drama but your wife just said like oh we just took the kick the kayaks out and they're like oh and what did you what did you do with them Oh, I, we were just bored. So we just brought them out <laughs> yeah. and that was it. So no yeah, we ended story. up, it was fun. We ended up like, we got our kayaks out and we all kayaked out in the, uh, you know, the neighborhood. Um, cause we, we were, we just got bored. Um, I was worried at one point when the tr there was a tree in front of my neighbor's house that fell down, um, a pretty good sized tree and its branches were touching the, uh, the, the power lines. And I thought that at one point his transformer blew cause it was like a huge explosion. Something I, was like, blew. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh shit, you know, here we go. We're going to lose power. Somehow we didn't lose power. Um, and at, if, if we would have lost power, I definitely think we would have had to like, a, like evacuate the, the house and stuff, but crazy enough, we didn't end up losing power. Um, the house never, the water never got up to the point of where my house was. I think we still had a good like foot two feet uh of of room to go and uh and it was just we just basically had to wait it out we waited about a day and a half uh because friday is this was on like thursday and too many games started on friday so i was worried that what we're, we might not be able to make it to the start of too many games uh but friday morning rolls around i go outside and crazy enough like a lot of the water has receded. And so we were thinking that like when low tide, uh, you know, happened in the morning that it might be uh, low enough to where we can kind of pack up the Tahoe and try to get out of there before high tide came in like later in the day. So I woke all you guys up pretty early. I was like, Hey, we got to hurry up and do this. Uh, let's pack up so we can try to get out of here. Uh, and, uh, and thankfully enough, like it just never got back. Like even when high tide came back in, uh, it never, you know, flooded again. And we were pretty lucky. Uh, another thing that we were really lucky about was that we were, we were waiting for actually the issue nine, the copies from issue nine uh, or eight, I should say, um, to come in from the printer because they were supposed to arrive 
Thursday to the house so we could bring it to the too many games uh, over the weekend. And I had to call UPS and tell them, like, do not bring them to my house because there's no way you're going to get a UPS uh, truck down uh, my my street because we're flooded. So they sent it to like a local place and we were able to go get it Friday morning on the way to too many games. And so that part actually ended up working out really well. We got to too many games on, on Friday and was able to set up uh, the whole booth and everything. Um, so guys, I, was that kind of the first like, big flood you ever went through? Uh, that I consciously remember. I was part of one when I was really, really young with uh, Hurricane Hugo, but um, that was uh, that was something. It could have been way worse, but instead we just hung out inside and played a uh, mixtape may a fucking mixtape massacre. There you go. You I'm got, it. You got it. <laughs> it. Uh, so it wasn't that bad. Uh, Sketchcraft, I think you were telling me you actually experienced some some floods earlier in your life too, right? I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, okay. I've had floods. I, I mostly had to go through the firestorms in San Diego, which uh, were that's probably know, way scarier. Given what you guys went through, I'll take that over the fucking firestorm. But although my house isn't raised, so of course I'm nowhere near. Like I, I looked into this a while ago with that flooding in Kansas and Wyoming, yeah. and I was like, what are the and like literally, there's it's virtually impossible for it to flood with how high up I am. So. Um, there's just nothing. It had to go through entire cities to get to me, you know. So it's not really an issue. But I fear, right? Because I have this really bad. Uh, I've tried to tell people, man, when I go places, adventure awaits. You know, yeah. like everywhere I go. E3 was an adventure last year, right, guys? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was. A, <laughs> I woke up. I look outside, and I'm like, oh, that that makes sense. Like it's just water everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Oh, I blame me. So <laughs> I put all my stuff and went down. And your your youngest son was like, Odin was like, why do you sleep so long? I'm like, because I'm old. One day you're gonna sleep forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> <It's so funny. laughs> he wanted to keep going up and, and to wake you up. I was like, don't wake him up. Just you know, let him sleep. Uh, and I think he just wanted to to, to you to see all like the, the insanity that was happening outside. So. I think he did. He finally went and tried to wake you up at some point when we're moving the uh, the the travel trailer. That wasn't that wasn't happening. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but you know, it, like we got out really really easy from this. You know, thankfully our house was raised and everything, so we didn't really lose anything. Um, like a few miles down the road, you know, another neighborhood flooded really bad, and they were they're in a really low area, and I I was driving through there. Uh, like Friday morning and it was still like flooded and they were their whole house. They weren't raised and they were probably under at least a foot of water throughout the whole thing. So I imagine that they have some like really extensive water damage to not only, you know, like the interior of the house and everything itself, but all their belongings and stuff. I, I, I don't know if they had enough time to really move much. And so feel really bad for for those people um that is 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 terrible man um i'm just happy that you know my house and my all my neighbors houses are raised now so we don't really have to to worry about that anymore we just have to kind of get our stuff out and get it to higher ground um you know our 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 vehicles and that sort of thing so we got lucky there um we definitely blame sketchcraft for bringing the apocalypse uh to us hooray (laughs) Because we've never flooded here since we lived here until you guys like showed up the day before 
like we we get everything ready for too many games. So that kind of set a weird tone to the weekend. Uh, but I think once we got there, everything went a lot better, I would say. Flood was the least of our thoughts when we got to too many games because <laughs> we're like, oh, we need this, we need and then this. We don't have enough chairs. We got to go to Lowe's real quick. Uh, let's get some tape. What do we need? Oh, what are we going to eat? You know, yada, yada. Oh, we got uh, a panel. But, but did I go to any of that stuff with you? No. <laughs> I stayed we, at the table. We right? left you the safe <laughs> confines of yes. the table. Yes. That way uh, your your terrible luck couldn't uh, you know, further everyone else. else. Everyone else yeah. around me. Yeah. yeah, that's why when you guys are going, I'm like, I'll just stay here. It'll go faster. Like, <laughs> yeah. trust me. Yeah, no, it, that all went well. Um, so Friday was the first day of too many games. Uh, it was kind of a light day, but uh, what did you guys what did you guys think about the the first day and everything and how it all went? Oh, uh, you can go first, sketch Uh, well, I mean, look, I'm not I've not been to gaming conventions before, mm-hmm. uh, short of E3, which is not really a convention. It's a press event um i mostly go to comic cons so it was my first gaming convention um just because there was never any around me in san diego like when i was living there and in idaho there's nothing so the convention itself it was nice to go into a convention where they aren't just sitting around waiting for george takes and cosplayers mm. signatures all fucking day like they're actually playing video games like you don't go to a comic con everyone's sitting around drawing comics you know <laughs> that would be amazing um so that was fun I was unprepared for the conventions to last till like almost midnight. They go way longer. They they extended the hours to 10 p.m. for the floor. If you wanted to stay that late, and we were, we accidentally did Friday. Yeah, which is that's what I'm saying. That first day, I was like, you you lose track of time because of the fluorescent lighting. You're like, what time is it? You know, it's 10:30. That's why I'm starving. Mm. Uh, But the convention itself was good. I mean, we got everything set up and. Uh, we got really good, you know, got a lot of positive feedback from no one. No one complained, really. Yeah, we just got issue eight um, because of the, it was supposed to be there the day before. And so we had issue eight at at the show and issue seven and some table graphics and the booth banner behind us. And so it was just really nice uh, for people to sort of go, oh, this is a gaming magazine. Oh, it doesn't look like shit. Oh, you're actually putting things on covers that you know you're fans of, not just you know flavor whatever came out. Like people were genuinely surprised that we had Burning Rangers, like new art, like not just oh, there's the key art from back in the day and Burning Rangers, like you know, uh, on the cover as well as Panzer Dragoon. So um, it was super positive all around. Um, I, I really have zero complaints about that convention, other than the bathroom situation, which. It was woefully inadequate for <laughs> where we were at. And Chris had a lovely little adventure, I think, the third day, uh, stepping in one of those stalls. So that was Oh, fun. yeah. Yeah, actually. Man, so it's I, I go into, you know, the bathroom. And in most of the bathrooms, they have, like, a couple urinals and then, like, two stalls. And so you're sitting there. You're in line. And, you know, the doors are shut. But then you you don't know like for sure if there's actually someone in there or if it just because the doors just swing like shut automatically right, um, and so I I kind of like push on the top of the the door and it it swings open so I'm like okay maybe you know just no one's in here because if someone's taking a shit or use it they would lock it and I go push it open and there's just this enormously large guy sitting there taking a poop and I'm just, Robert he just like, he's like he makes this weird like shriek noise and I'm like, oh! and, he's like ah! and uh 
like, oh man, I'm sorry, sorry, dude. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I walk back. And, uh, Ooh, mega vision. Yeah, and so I'm like, man, that's why you gotta lock the door, dude. You know, if you don't want people walking in on you. So um, Chris accidentally got a mega vision that day. I would call it mega. I would say like, um, oh like, no, like a like a byte size instead of like a megabyte. Like it'd be okay. more like a kilobyte. Um, oh boy. So yeah, it's one of those. So um, anyway, uh, as, other than on Friday too, we had our our panel. Yeah, we had our panel, and it really did fly by because Friday, I think the doors opened at two, but they opened them a little early, so we're just like, here they come. The beasts of England, and we're just like barely ready. We set up stuff, and we had a little TV, and we had the Dreamcast there, and we had Pole Caliber going, which is Soul Caliber with the fishing rod controllers, uh, which was bringing people over. And I made that little funny trophy for it um, for first place of a tournament we were going to have on Saturday. But yeah, Friday, Friday, great. That's how much it flew by. It morphed into Saturday. Friday flew by, and before we knew it, we're like walking over to our panel, and I'm a I'm a nervous wreck with my monster energy drink that I don't normally drink. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Chris is just walking up with the beer. I'm like, are we ready for this? <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, it was as prepared as it could be with the stage and with the where the panel was and everything. Um, I don't I. I kind of hope they stick with rooms for panels next year. Cause even if we had our slideshow working, I don't know that anyone could have actually seen what was on the slide. Um, but uh, yeah. And then that happened when well, we had a decent turnout. I think we had about like 15 to 20 people uh, sitting. Um, we, Oh, I want to preface it with like when we got there uh, and then these three dudes walk up to our booth and it was the scrub verse guys, Corey, Connor and Chris. And I was like, Oh fucking thank God. Some familiar faces in this <laughs> crowd of insanity. So like hugged all them. We all introduced ourselves. Um, my buddy Kent man uh, showed up with his crew as well. Um, and then, yeah, we got to the panel. Uh, we felt as ready as we could be. And uh, yeah, I kind of interrupted you there, Chris. So go ahead. No, um, I, I was going to, I will kind of piggyback on what you said. Like, I, I hope that they do something else with, um, with the indie stage uh, because it's kind of just right out in a corner of the, inside this gigantic hall where all the vendor area is and, and everything else. So there's just lots of noises coming in, you know, from other areas. And so it's hard to, you know, kind of stay focused when there's just people walking around and all this other stuff. So I, I really hope that we can get inside one of the, one of the actual rooms next year. Um, Outside of that, like, I, I, I think the topic that we chose was really important. It was about, like, you know, what do, you know, kind of what do video games need to do to stay relevant and just... Video game magazines. Video game magazines. Physical video game magazines need to do to uh, stay relevant and just kind of stay in business, uh, you know, going forward. And we, we took a look on, like, you know, what were some of the pitfalls that some of the other magazines, some of the major magazines kind of fell into... Uh, that led to them having to close down and then what were some of the, the reasons why there were some uh, you know openings and, and how some of these indie magazines started coming out and kind of led the way and what do they need to keep doing to kind of keep growing and things like that so I think it was important um, I think next year we just need to maybe pick like a more funny light-hearted topic because at times I think it was a little you know kind of too serious for some people um but i, I what happens I, when you bring sketchcraft 
Because that's <laughs> real fucking serious. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't just you. I, think I was, was like, it's all over, man. Game over. There's <laughs> yeah. no ads. There's no yeah. venture capitals. You know, yeah, he's like, it's all going to be Fortnite in three years. For I don't know why we're doing this. This is a terrible idea. We're all going to go out of business. <laughs> yeah, well, this is a really bad idea. We're making no money and we're going to eat Marson. <laughs> you know, like, like that's, about, yeah. that's about the end of the panel. I do think, um, I mean, look, that, that, that brings back to discussions that we can have for f- further panels in the future where it's really about i mean you guys have spent a lot of time with tom kolinsky and stuff so it's like about passion for you could talk about different things in gaming i i think the thing that i'm wary of anytime uh you know i get approached to do panel stuff or to talk about various you know historical topics is people just immediately expect you to be like the the historian like a play Karis, who's got all this stuff all mapped out and you know like, like dates on the wall and you're like look here's how i remember it happening that doesn't necessarily mean i mean i was there here's how i remember it and i'm pretty certain if there were people that who were also there were, were here right now they would disagree with me. that's not how it went at all but here's how i remember it you know um and why we bother making this thing no one in this crowd has heard of you know like we're way in the back making a stupid magazine because we we love it uh but but it does it does sometimes seem a little pretentious right when you're like here's what we need to do to stay relevant you know and it's like yeah we just need money like it's really solved <laughs> we all just had a lot of money we could blow <laughs> through it and produce a magazine uh it would be interesting to see if it's possible to do something a little bit more like, you know, what are the more crazier sides to Dreamcast shit you've never seen? Like, I know with the pole caliber tournament, that's, you know, stuff that Scotty and these guys can bring to the table that I think as Uber nerds, we know, I, I sometimes take for granted that the stuff that I know. Okay. So we were talking about that book, um, uh, Ready Player One, right? Yeah. And I started, I read, my buddy was, you gotta, you gotta read the book, gotta read the book read the first chapter and i'm like this is not for me man it's too i'm not gonna say not smart it's just it's very surface level video game knowledge stuff you and know? i but, feel like i he he read like a wikipedia about like dungeon dragons or certain topics and well he just made it accessible writing. to a lot of people who don't know anything like the majority of people don't know anything about this stuff mm-hmm. cats like us like i really know a lot about this stuff so like for me i'm like well i'm bored you know, like this doesn't really quite get. This isn't like my thing. You know, it's just Willy Wonka with you know a lot of surface level game knowledge. So it, that's not to dump on. It's just that you know I need something that goes a little bit further on our level. Uh, and so when our fandom level, right? So when we go there and we're talking about like, hey, did you know you can play Soul Caliber with fishing rods? People freak out like, what? You know, like, and I'm pretty certain our fans go, of course, everyone knows this shit. What are you talking about? Yeah, it was a, it was a mixed bag because it was also like, this was not a new thing to me. And I kind of brought it along. It's like, ah, we'll have something to do for people that, you know, they need, like, it's something, uh, standing up vertical that'll bring people over. Cause I've been playing Soul Calibur with the fishing rod with this marathon thing I've done for like six or seven years. So I thought it was common knowledge, but it definitely is not. And I was happy to enlighten people. So it might be fun to clickbait a panel next time. Be like, 10 things you didn't know in yeah, games. Right. Like, here's a crazy story in a game magazine that once got printed. Here's a crazy thing you can do with a video game you never knew. Here's a story about the time we went to whatever and and Jordan, what's his face, tried to murder us all and put us in the <laughs> stores, uh closet. You know, it's weird stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. We, we definitely came away with a 
lot of ideas on on like what we can do next year. So we're gonna just kind of let those percolate. Um, we're definitely gonna come uh, back with a, a new panel next year, uh, and I think I, it was a good experience overall. I'm happy we were able to just kind of get one in the bag and and get through that. It was it was just an interesting experience because uh, I've been going to game conventions for really really a long time now and too many games i've been go- this is like my sixth i think too many games that i've gone to because when i lived in maryland i went to every single one and it's just been great to see it grow over the years uh and because when i started going it was still rather small uh but it had grown even even then compared to where it when it when, you know, when they first started it was really really small um but to see it continue to grow is is really great uh, I think this was like the most vendors that they've had uh, ever. And that was awesome uh, to see the same, you know, I I saw some of the indie uh, games from last year. I saw they made a return and those games looked even better. And so it was really cool just to see all that. And what's weird too is, man, when you start going, especially here in the Northeast, you you go to this, these same game conventions and you just kind of see the same people. You don't know who they are, but I just, I, I, if I see a face, I'll, I'll always, you know, recognize that I I've seen that person from somewhere. And, uh, and it's just cool to kind of see those same people year after year. Um, even if you don't really get a chance to, to interact with them, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy we did this panel and I think our next panel is going to be way better because of it. Um, we kind of know, uh, have some experience under a belt, uh, to do that so that was that was friday and then that led us into saturday which is probably the the heaviest day traffic wise uh Boy, and, howdy. yeah we did not know what we were in for yeah well we did we did realize like hey we need some food so before we left or at before we got to the the thing we stopped at wawa and just got a bunch of food uh made sandwiches while we were at our booth which man I'll tell you what, I haven't had a, a bologna sandwich in a long time. I had one that weekend, and I I completely forgot how much I love bologna. Because, oh. good God, that was awesome. Oh. Yeah, that was all your bologna. <laughs> Nobody else was touching that bologna. I ate all the bologna. It was so good, so good. But, we had, uh, our, had our crackers, had our chips. So I, I bet we looked real cool. People were walking by, and they see us, like, slathering some bread with mustard and just being like, are you like video game magazine? <laughs> it's falling out of our mouth. You never know why they failed. <laughs> yeah. You got to play pole caliber. Oh, let me get that mustard off that controller. Yeah, you should check it out. So that leads us into the pole caliber tournament because on Saturday. Jesus Christ. That um, I will say, man, like you, you mentioned it, like we weren't really ready for how the level of interest in pole caliber um, because it, it definitely helped bring people to the booth. And so we'd say, hey, yeah, this is it's Soul Calibur on Dreamcast, but you can play with the fishing controllers. And they're like, what? I've never been able to. I had no idea. You know, you could do that. And so it got people playing. And then after they played a round or two, we're like, yeah, you know, like th- we have this here. But what why we're really here is to to show the magazine. And it got kind of got brought people over. And 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 that was really cool for that. Um, but we ended up signing a lot of people up to the tournament, Scotty. So yeah. why, don't you, why don't you talk to us about that? Um, it was crazy because we, you know, we, we had it Friday and people were kind of signing up. We honestly expected, and same, the Scrubverse guys even said this on their last podcast, like, 
we thought they would sign up and there'd maybe maybe be like one or two other people. And I was I was honestly thinking like, oh, we'll just put some fake names on here to make it look like it's popular and people are interested. <laughs> and lo and behold, like before uh, before noon, even like we had almost 25 or almost 30 people or at least 30 names on that thing. And I was still treating it like a like a Facebook event or something like ah, a quarter that's going to show up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like almost before two. Um, there starts to be a crowd around our booth and I'm, I'm just like, I'm like looking at my watch. I'm like, okay, it's like two The tournament's going to be at three. Uh, this is a big crowd of people. We're going to be a fire hazard if we don't do something soon. So I'm like, fuck it. We'll just start it now. We call the first match and, you know, people start playing, people start getting into it. We're going down the line and, um, people are getting into it and it's cool, but you know, and I'm I'm like putting on my game show host face and everything and just having a good time with it. I th- I was more nervous for the panel because I kind of knew what to expect than for this. And now this was like, what's going on? Just have fun with it. And but then there was a match. And, and meanwhile, Marson's like trying to film this and take pictures up on a chair near the booth and stuff. And uh, there was one match that was like down to the magic pixel on each side. Nightmare was found to be super cheap for this overall tournament. Might have to uh, ban him next time. I don't know. But there was a match that just it it got down to the wire and some got a ring out or something. And then the whole like the crowd of people around our booth just all goes, whoa, like the sound erupts. And I'm like, you would have right, thought this, this was, was like a legit, like Evo like yeah. tournament. Like the, the 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 crowd that we had around was was really big uh, for what we were doing. And. I was so surprised at seeing like how excited people were and how into it it got because it was crazy. Like you said, man, there were some matches that got right down to the wire and people were losing their minds over it. It was crazy. We forgot to mention we had a Magfest, uh, like a booth representing Magfest next to us, and they had a projector screen set up and kind of just some random games here and there, just informing people about Magfest, that convention and everything. And they were kind of watching too and just kind of taking taken aback i think they were just as shocked as we were um that it was going so well and uh it we ended up having uh one of the scrubverse guys chris against uh a guy who wrote his name down as just the angry and that was the final match and i think chris i'm sorry buddy but uh scrubverse chris he got a little bit cocky and he did not end up winning it the angry took that trophy and it somehow made it back to his house safely he sent us a picture um, I posted the the final like group photo in the um, the Too Many Games Discord, and people were replying with, "Oh, that's what that was. We just heard a lot of sound, and like we didn't know what was going on." And like even the Magfest guys, after we were all done and stuff, uh, I think I want to say his name was Kevin. I'm really bad with names. He um he came up to us and he was like, "You guys should see about like getting that into the tournament schedule for Magfest next year." And we're just like, uh, d- d- uh, maybe <laughs> we don't know." <laughs> but this was uh this was literally I have these controllers and I brought these with me, so I don't know, <laughs> you know. Um, but we might have a projector screen for Magfest. Uh, I think that would be cool. Um, but it was just like, thank you so much to everyone that signed up for that, uh, and those that actually showed up as well and fought and everything. It was just crazy and fun and like i was exhausted after it was done <laughs> but it was great it was a good exhaustion though it was, it was emotionally draining for sure yeah it was a it was a really good time and like people still kind of swung over after but i think that was kind of the climax of our whole our our booth's attention overall but it was still it was still good it was still good that that like positivity overall and everything it, like kind of 
uh, what Scratchcraft was saying, like no real negativity at this show, just all positive. Everybody's just happy to be there. And it was good to just kind of BS and hang out with other gamers. Yeah. And it was so, I, what I love too, is just people coming by and like seeing the magazine and, you know, like just all the good feedback that we got uh, about the games that we had in the magazine, about the art. People love the design and, and Sketchcraft's art. So that was just, it was really cool just to to see, you know, him get a chance to kind of interact with the readers and, you know, like, you know, they wanted him to sign, you know, the magazine and stuff. That was just a lot of fun. It was just, I was really proud of of everyone that was there, of all of the guys, uh, and and all the hard work that goes into creating a magazine. Man, it it's like I said during our panel, magazine. It's super hard. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, you know, from all the writing staff, all the pre-production that we have to do, um, to Sketchcraft having to you know be be the art director for the whole thing. So just from a visual standpoint, I mean, he's having to kind of figure out all the the art and how everything's going to go and you know him and i kind of figure out like what stories and all that kind of stuff so a lot of collaboration a lot of work has to go in uh between the artists not, the writers not, and not, us not to not to also throw in that i'm also developing a team uh on my end for the issues moving forward so we can get to three to four issues a year you know easily yeah so it's like i'm training people how to like this isn't like normally a magazine folks is it's indesign um and then you draw a box and you just insert uh, a game screen in there and that's it it's not that hard this magazine is, is hard like it requires uh, there's a lot of filters and texturing to make it look old there's a lot of airbrushing on every screen to make it look old but also pop and look cool and so every page in the magazine has some level of art going on in it whether you see it or not you know yeah. and um it, it, it's un if you don't know what you're doing it can become unwieldy very like you can almost feel like it slipping out of your grasp so you ever feel that way chris when you're sending it to the printer you're like i don't know if i gotta hold on this as you're exporting all the pdfs you're like how does this fit oh, how does oh, yeah. it no especially this this one more than anything because we're under such a time crunch like to get this out in time for too many games because literally like if we didn't have this issue like we would have came there with maybe what 50 copies of issue seven that we had left and that would have been all we had and we sold through that like early saturday i think and and so we would have had nothing at our booth we would have had pole caliber <laughs> and that would have been it so there was you know tr a tremendous amount of, of pressure on me to to get all the the stuff done right at the end and get it shipped off to the printer to be able to get it printed in time for us to actually get it. Um, and little did we know like how close it was for us not getting it in time. And um, there was like a little bonus stress level when uh, we, we pull up to wherever we were picking up the issues from the post office or UPS or something. And like Marson and I and you, we all, the three of us go in thinking like, oh, we're going to have to carry out four big boxes of magazines. And then we get in there and the lady's like, Oh, you you told you got the uh, the routing number or whatever for for one of those boxes. And I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! Do not tell me that they're just sitting somewhere else, like off in the ether, and we have like oh, barely God. any magazines. But we got that one box. That's all we need for that day, at least. So, yeah, they uh, they ended up only sending one box of the four that shipped to me uh, to that UPS. The other ones they kept on the truck and delivered, which you know surprisingly enough they were actually able to deliver it to my house like later friday uh so we were able to get all of them 
Uh, so don't freak out, you know, our, our patrons out there. Uh, we got all of those. Um, and yeah, it was just a, a great experience overall, man. I had a lot of fun. It The one thing that, uh, that you know, when you're running a booth is you got to run a booth. And so you don't really get a chance to get out and actually go through, you know, and experience the convention like you would if you're just a regular, you know, just, you know, goer to the event and so from that standpoint like i think on sunday i was able to get out a little bit uh because the wife and kids came and we had some family friends that that wanted to come and see the booth and everything so i was able to actually get out for a little bit on friday or on sunday i should say uh and and play some pinball games and check out the arcade i did end up picking up a few dreamcast games uh i got spider-man and uh and then fur fighters was the other one i picked up um, Scotty, I think you actually got quite a bit more stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to give a shout out first to Fiction Sphere, the indie game that I checked out. You checked it out last year, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fiction Sphere is amazing, and everybody needs to keep tabs on that game. It might show up on a certain crowdfunding thing soon. Um, it's basically Mega Man X and Zero uh, meets with Devil May Cry and Bayonetta because it has like uh, fighting combos and stuff sort of for or um, what's it called action game kind of brawler combos along with shooting stuff. Please check out Fiction Sphere. It's very cool. Um, Chris, you played that Wrestle mania type game for a little bit too did you dig that or yeah it's called retro mania um, yes that definitely has a lot of of potential in that and it's 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 built to look like you know your old wwe like wrestling games from like the super nintendo era um but they have a lot of actual real wrestlers like uh legion of doom they've got uh tommy dreamer uh, a lot of old school guys and a lot of independent guys that have a blue meanie and some other ones uh, in there. Uh, but only the Legion of Doom were, I think, were playable uh, for the for the demo that they ha had on hand. Uh, it's definitely still early in development. You can kind of tell. Uh, but I'm really interested in seeing where they go from that, because I think that has a chance to be a really, really fun game and hopefully develop into something more where they can, you know, maybe after this first game, it, hopefully you know they get some some really good success and they can expand upon it and include some some more wrestlers and stuff like that and and options but uh that was a, a really fun game i didn't get a chance to go play fiction sphere fear but uh i think from what i did see of it uh it has really progressed from what i played last year and he also won the award for best game at too many games so that's something yeah that's that's, that's really cool because cool. just talking to him i <laughs> talked to him for probably like 30 minutes last year and um I know that he had, you know, had, you know, come on some hard times and then started learning game development. This is basically the first game he's developed and it's, it's seemed to be, you know, really, you know, progressing very nicely and to see him win best game is really cool. Yeah, it was very cool. And he was a good guy too. Um, I want to say his name was Eric. I could be mixing up everyone's names, but uh, fiction sphere is sphere is very cool. Um, but I did pick up some stuff. Uh, it's a good thing I only walked around on Sunday <laughs> because I was finding some deals here and there. I got kind of just to run through uh, Genesis side first. I got Home Alone Complete in Box for only 10 bucks. It normally goes for 17 I really like that game, so I was happy to get that. Um, I got the Japanese version of Fantasia on Genesis. It has arguably way cooler cover art than um, the American version. Chris, you said there was a... You told me an interesting little tidbit about that game too like its development how it like kind of technically wasn't supposed to happen or something right 
Yeah, I guess uh, when when Sega had the Disney license, uh, and this is a story that I maybe was in uh, Console Wars. I, I can't remember, but uh, yeah. So Walt Disney never wanted anything to do with like, or never wanted any anything to come out of like with Fantasia, like any sequels or anything else. Like he didn't. He, he just wanted the, the one movie and never be licensed out for any other purpose. And but somehow it. I guess that fell through the cracks and Sega had agreed to develop a game on it and they finished the game. They, they got all the, the carts manufactured, everything shipped them out. And it was like right at the last minute after, you know, like right before the game was supposed to go on sale, someone at Disney called Tom Kalinske. was like, Hey, I'm super sorry, but you, you're not supposed to be able to sell this game. Like we made a mistake. Um, you know, Walt Disney was, you know, never wanted this game out there um or anything to have you know fantasia out there and they basically had to try to pull back as many of the copies as they could but by that time like it had been in the wild and and people bought the game and uh you know i guess it's not a very good game uh i haven't played in a i while. got it with my uh i got it with my genesis that christmas 91 uh-huh. right christmas 91 Sounds when fun. the sonic pack and deal came out is um, it like a platformer? What is it? Yeah, it's a platformer, man. But Mickey's sprite is super huge, so it's super close up on the screen. And there's a lot of like blind jumps in the game, you know. So the animation's nice, and the music, I mean, for the time, was pretty good. It's fairly repetitive. I mean, it wasn't like a can't wait to play that game again, like you know, Aladdin would be down the way. But yeah. I think when you compare it to like Mickey's Secret Castle from a technical standpoint, it was pretty gorgeous. And I mean, it just. I don't know. Like, it's weird because the whole Disney thing, obviously, Walt Disney didn't know about video games. He died, you know, <laughs> in like the 70s. Um, but initially, Fantasia was intended to be something that w- they would update every year with new animation. Um, oh, and then right, when it, yeah. it tanked financially, that didn't happen. Um, I think probably, I don't remember in Console Wars that was quite in there. I think what probably happened was Disney's you know especially at the time was like uber conservative with with things you know like in terms of like licensing anything out so that's you know and so someone i'm willing to bet some suit some eisner or someone who wasn't paying attention was like wait what do you mean this game like they're probably mean so what do we have coming out this quarter and we got the fantasia game excuse me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know fantasy game what do you mean a game they're gonna have naked unicorns running around or the the hell demon's gonna appear at the end nothing cool like that it's mostly just mickey in that outfit running around you know sounds and about right yeah yeah but i mean man it, think about like think about fantasia made by the cuphead dudes right like that would be a fairly i'd be down game. for that yeah yeah but i mean it'd be hard as living shit but i mean like i mean just that that doesn't surprise me um i do have that copy lying around somewhere though like a physical cool i mostly spent that christmas playing granada though you know, right. like... yeah. <laughs> I, what you pick something over fantasia yeah no um yeah that's cool though uh because yeah i had i couldn't really tell what it was but uh it looked cool and um i'm a sucker for different artwork like that but uh uh also what i've known or what i've acknowledged i don't know what i've learned to do at too many games is look through those freaking controller bins the bins that like the dealers are not paying attention to because i definitely found a white sega saturn 3d controller 
I've in the back of my mind, someday I'll have a white Saturn for some reason. I want that, but my favorite controller is that controller and they go for like $50 for some reason. I found one for 33 bucks. So that was another good snag. Um, and then I got night trap on the switch, even though I don't own a switch, I have to own night trap on everything. <laughs> um, and then dreamcast wise, I got worms Armageddon, which is a good time, especially uh, if you got a couple people in the same room playing with you. Um, and for some reason I bought Kiss Psycho Circus. I know that game's trash, but I'm excited to play it, probably stream it. And, um, the last thing like Dreamcast related, uh, Pen Pen Studio, they are an art group. Um, one of the two members of it is player one of Bit Brigade, the guy who plays all the games on stage, does the speed runs. Uh, he, uh, had a little watercolor artwork of a Dreamcast controller. So I grabbed that, uh, Jason Kusanagi, uh, Chris from Scrubverse and I gra all grabbed one of those, so they're pretty cool. And then I got the, you know, the annual pin that I'm going to throw on the cork board for too many games. So, um, oh, and I got a bomb at our next venture we'll mention quickly here. But yeah, I had a pretty good haul and didn't go too crazy, but found some good deals overall. So that's me and my haul. Was it Saturday that Chris and I ran over and checked out one of those panels? I, it might have been Sunday. I can't even remember cool. now. Um, yeah, rental rev uh, rental reviews they do. It's an offshoot of Cinemassacre stuff now. Um, they do uh, reviews. It's more so just them and a couple of dudes talking about old movies. Um, like the last they talked about Last Action Hero, uh, Spice World for some reason because I think the Spice Girls are on tour. But we went to their panel and they showed some random stuff. Uh, we thought that it was going to be you know, hey, we saw this movie. Let's talk about it now. I thought maybe they were going to do Aladdin because one of the dudes was just dressed up as Jafar, but he was really just dressed up as Jafar for no reason. So they talked about, they each had these individual clips that they brought and then kind of talked about them. So it wasn't exactly the same thing. Um, we had to leave a little early from the panel, but uh, Chris will probably talk about it in a second. But the one thing that I took away is I definitely need to look up forklift safety hazard videos um and there was another gem that was uh turkish star wars um uh, i don't remember did you say you had seen that or you knew of its existence sketchcraft no I'm, I'm aware of like the bollywood superhero like movies like that you ever seen that bollywood uh spider-man oh like, yeah swedish spider-man or something <laughs> yeah he's like he and her are dancing in the middle of the air like it's it's, it's pretty great. good yeah there's quality stuff that knows its own budget is rather visual um and uh, so that panel was okay. I saw, I've watched, uh, I caught a little bit of Psycho Sticks show on Friday night. That was cool. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if we did anything else on Sunday, really. It was the slow day. So we were able to just kind of walk around. I caught uh, my buddy Tom showed up and he was playing at the Smash Brothers tournament. So that was kind of neat watching him win a match with Jigglypuff, which was weird. Uh, but he did it. And um, that was Smash Brothers. I don't know. Uh, that, that was another thing that like, you know, we mentioned how much too many games expanded. It literally doubled in size because half of the show was a tournament in a land room, um, with smash brothers. I think one of the stages was over there too, or something. Um, but we also had, uh, that like wrestling thing was over there too. Um, but yeah, so that Sunday was a more lax day. Chris, are you back yet? I'm here. Thank God. Um, <laughs> I talked briefly about that panel that we went to. Did you want to say anything about that other than we need to watch Turkish Star Wars and uh, look up more forklift videos? Yeah, no, that was that was fun. It's it's always good to see uh, James, you know, in a panel. Like I'm I'm a big fan of James Rolfe, and I've actually 
become a big fan of a lot of the Screenwave Media guys uh, watching their uh, rental reviews series. Uh, so it was just cool to see them uh, interact and stuff. Uh, there was some really weird stuff that they shown, uh, and it was fun. Yeah, that was the only panel I think I was able to get to this year. Uh, but that was the one where I, I was looking at uh, the schedule, and I was like, okay, if there's one that I really want to get to, it's that one. Uh, and so right. that one, that that panel, I did see that it's on their YouTube channel now. So if uh, you want to go and, and check that out, go and search on uh, YouTube. Like it'd probably be Rental Reviews, Too Many Games panel, and you'd probably be able to find it. Right on. And we we did stream our panel. Um, I'm gonna mess with the volume on it a little bit and try to get that on our YouTube. So say stay tuned for that. Oh yeah, that would be good. Uh, so. Uh, other than that, like, I think the last thing we ended up doing, uh, you know, after too many games is we got a chance to go to uh, New York City because uh, a few of you guys hadn't been before. So it was like the last day, I think, before everyone was going to leave on Monday, was it? Um, yep. And so we all uh, drove up uh, to NYC and uh, had some lunch and then we hit up the, uh, the Nintendo World Store. So what do you guys think of that? uh it's yeah. congested but we were also in the busiest part of the city i think yeah i mean look the store was fun to be in i mean we got to see the uh that game boy that went through desert storm or whatever like it was on fire <laughs> or something still playing tetris like it just sits there and plays tetris i'm so were... I, i'm amazed that the screen like didn't melt like how did that not happen that's crazy yeah it was built a lot it reminds me of remember that rick and morty episode where the robot wants to know what he's made for. He's like, you're made for butter. You know, your yeah. life is butter. Like it's life is Tetris now. That's, that's it. That's all you got. Um, it was cool to go to would have been, there were some interesting things we got there that, you know, we got, I got some bomb plushies, which are nice. And I made jokes that wouldn't it be great if we filled up a backpack full <laughs> of bombs. Right. Uh -huh. And just went to the, the airport, you know, like with a backpack full of bombs. And it's funny, you know, when you're not at the airport. Right, um, right. <laughs> very, very grown up of me, Rob. That made a joke. We could be the Unibomber. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, the millennial who just didn't know better. I just wanted a lot of bomb plushies. And I really did want a lot of bomb plushies, but I was dead scared that if I had too many. By the way, uh, TSA searched my luggage where all the plushies were packed in, so they must have saw the bomb. Oh, that's hilarious! I, I got the TSA note. Your, you know, your luggage has been inspected. I've never had that, but the one time I put a bomb plushie in there, oh, gotta go look. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, um, not a lot of other exclusives there, though. So upside though, if you ever go to the Nintendo World Store in New York City, you're not paying an extra fee for merch. Like pretty good deals, you know. For you're not paying a surplus. Like, you know, we go to the Disney Store and. Mm -hmm. A pencil is forty dollars. Not like that there. So yeah, um, I you know it's it's I've I've been there uh, a few times and stuff. So it's I always have a good time going there. And uh, I wanted to. I was actually thinking about getting some uh, Pokemon stuff for Odin, but he ended up getting like four different Pokemon plushies uh, at too many games. So I, I didn't end up like picking uh, up anything uh, for him. Scotty, I know you got uh, quite a bit of uh, stuff for like uh, your, your girlfriend. Uh, uh, what did she think of that? Yeah, she dug the, I got her a, a KK slider shirt. It was just him behind a, a couple of turntables, which was cool. Um, I grabbed myself a bomb uh, as well. And um, I thought, yeah, I mean, there was, I definitely could have walked out of there with some more stuff, but, 
uh, too many games already spent enough. So I almost got a Flareon plushie, but realized like I can get a Pokemon plushie anywhere. Um, and I did think it was cool. They had an entire uh, like under a glass. It all it was almost like a table, but like a glass setup of every amiibo that's been released, which was really mm-hmm. neat. Um, even some that aren't out yet, like the Dark Souls one and stuff. Um, but uh, that was neat. And like the big Link and Zelda statue or Link from Zelda statue. Uh, the, the timeline that they had of all their consoles under glass was really neat too. Uh, so it was a cool, a cool little, like almost, a almost a mu Well, it was a museum and a store in one, which was pretty neat. Yeah, it definitely has like a lot of stuff that kind of chronicles Nintendo's, uh, hardware, uh, from a console and handheld standpoint. They have pretty much everything there do they have a virtual boy there maybe they just kind of swept that out of the rug. like that that didn't happen yeah it was in there too yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool next time we all come out there though um hopefully we'll have some some extra time because we had to hurry up and get marson back to the airport uh but um fucking marson right but no there was um there's a bunch of other places like uh video games new york is a really cool spot to go to because man they just have a ton of of inventory and they have just old box saturn stuff like complete in box like uh sega cd stuff like it's it's one of the the better uh like just from an inventory standpoint places that i've I've gone to uh and it's been a few years since i i actually went there so i'd like to go back so if, if um we all come back again next year uh to too many games i'd like to to try to head up there and, and spend some more time uh in new york city it's um for those that are wondering video games in new york if you've been to magfest or too many games they're usually the booth that's very much surrounded in some sort of yellow color uh, and they only have they always have like imports and stuff so it would be cool to go to that store that actual store though yeah they got a ton of good stuff there um the one other thing that uh i i probably my, one of my favorite things about the weekend is uh sketchcraft introduced us all to the it crowd um i've heard about it um before but we actually sat down and started watching it and holy crap dude that is such a funny show i've never seen it before and my whole family is into it now like we all sit down and watch it like i started getting jamie to watch it now caitlin and elliot are watching it with us and now we're into season three and it's just getting crazier i i love moss like he is my favorite human i think i've ever seen in my life now he's just he's so innocent such a kind soul and he is just awesome in every way i love him to death yeah i think what started that was you started showing us uh what we do in the shadows the the tv series oh right yeah and uh the the actor that plays laszlo i was like well you're like i love that guy and i'm like well if you like him there you should check out the it crowd and then the next day we were at the con and there was a gentleman next to us representing a, a booth. He was nice, but I was looking at him and he looked like this goth character. That's <laughs> we have, I, like, I don't want to be me. I'm like, you look like the goth character. You know, I'm not like that. I'm just, well, he bears a striking resemblance to this goth character. So I said, Hey, you know, if you watch it, just remember that dude. Cause he's going to, it's going to haunt you in your dreams. Um, <laughs> and so when we got back, you know, we all needed to unwind a little bit. And I was like, well, I prefer to just put on, if I have friends over, I just prefer to put on comedies because, you know what I mean? You don't have to fully pay attention all the time. Yeah, for sure. You know, as opposed to some, I went to a friend's house once and they literally put on heat. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
You know, like well, this is a four-hour fucking dramatic epic. Like this is not gonna work. <laughs> oh, no. um, we're all tired. I'm like passed out. Like before the first bank heist even happened. So, um, so yeah, it was fun to watch. And I mean, the IT crowd, it's loads of fun, right? Can't moss is the best. Wait till they get to the arcade. That's it's like my favorite episode. Oh, okay, I haven't I haven't gotten there yet, but um, I definitely, man, it's it, it's amazing. So yeah, we're 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 still like working our way through that. Um, I'm having a lot of fun. So thank you for showing me that. Um, I think outside of outside of all the other stuff we did, we actually got some some really good time just to kind of sit down and brainstorm. You know, like face to face, which we've never really been able to do. And we've come up, I think, with some really cool ideas. We're not we won't talk about them on the show or anything, but we we've come up with some some really cool things like going forward where we kind of want to take the magazine and some there's some different directions we can go uh and i'm really excited man i'm i'm i think this too many games was an awesome experience for us it was a way that we can get the magazine in front of people who have never seen it before and i i think it kind of showed us that like hey this is i think we need to do more of this and by that just going you. out to different conventions we, we mean you I mean you should go <laughs> i think all of us should go man once they uh, once once you start uh a game convention out in idaho uh scotty should go that. and <laughs> yeah. should idaho. go and chris should go and odin should go and your dogs should go but rob should never <laughs> ever go maybe once a year i thought i was gonna go to new jersey gamer con which is in july but it turns out it's like the same exact weekend that we have a family vacation in maine so i won't be able to make it to that um but the uh one of the guys that runs the long island uh retro uh show invited us out to that uh so i don't think we'll be able to make it this year but it's definitely going to be on our list next year and we're already targeting uh magfest i think we're going to try to see about having a booth at MAGFest, which would be amazing. Uh, I, that would be a lot of fun, I think. And, uh, and if we do, we'll definitely have to bring um, some pole caliber there. So with that said... Uh, My pole is always ready. The pole is still burns. Pole burnt, still right? burns. So <laughs> speaking of burning poles, we do have a couple of questions in the sack that I think we can run through real quick if you guys are down. Yeah, yeah, we can we can do those pretty quick. Oh, right. Let me just dig into it here. So we got a quick one on Twitter, which is fun. Um, the uh, Trevor or at Lincoln Fiasco asks, if you could have a garage of classic Sega cars, what cars would you have? And he has pictures of Axel from Crazy Taxi, uh, the Sega Rally car, the Ferrari Now Run Two, and then Rio in his forklift. <laughs> So. Oh man, that's a tough one. I, I this is the first I'm seeing this question because I'm I didn't look at the outline. Way um, to go! I uh, know I would have all the crazy taxis in my in my garage for sure. Um, of course, the Hornet from Daytona USA, and uh, I mean, would that horse count as a car? Because I could just toss the horses in there too, I guess. Um, and I don't I don't know anyone that would not want a Ferrari. So I don't really want a forklift though. I watch those safety precaution videos. I don't want a forklift. <laughs> Yeah, after that, I I will never drive a forklift ever. So, uh, Sketchcraft, do you have any sweet Sega rides that you'd like in your garage? Uh, just Earthworm Jim's uh, pocket, pocket rocket. rocket. Yeah, <laughs> pocket rocket, nice. Um, you or know what? what about Funkatron, the Funk Master, whatever the hell it's called from Toe Jam and Earl. The one that crashes everywhere they every time they. Yeah, use well, it. that's their own stupid fault. <laughs> um. 
I'll tell you what. Uh, I would take uh, the taxi uh, car in Yakuza Five. That okay. uh, because he ends up like souping it up, and it gets super fast and it's badass. And I loved those taxi race missions in Yakuza Five. That was nice. Fun, so. Okay, very cool. Um, if rock and roll racing counts, I'll just take a couple of those hovercrafts, maybe. Um, yeah, that was a good question, though. Thank you. And then we hop over to the Discord. Heavenly G-Force, Mr. Uh, Graham. Oh, shit. What was the name we, we gave him? I forget now, over the weekend. He has a new name. We'll, we'll, we'll address him by it later. Um, but uh, he asks, what's the one lesson or piece of wisdom from each of you that you would share with anyone planning on having a stand or a booth at an event like Too Many Games? And I would say bring food and water with you. Hand sanitizer. Oh, yeah. That's good, too. Uh, don't drive. Like, get someone else to do all the driving for you so you can nap on the way back. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did all the driving. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, I, to be fair, if it were Idaho, I would have been doing all the driving. So it's just the luck of the, you know. I don't mind. I don't mind. I actually prefer driving when I'm in a vehicle with people. So that's all good. Um, yeah, but and then... Um, Maybe, Maybe a cushion a, for whatever chair you're having to sit on the whole time, too. That's a good one. And then also try to get um, more people than just you to help run the booth, whether it's just inviting friends or family to help you. Uh, because a lot of times when you go to these things, it's it's it, you know it's awesome to be able to either sell your art or your products or whatever. But if it's only you, you're never going to be able to get out and actually enjoy the show. And so you you don't really even it's it's like a bubble forms like over your booth. And that's all you see is just that. Uh, and you don't get to have any of the fun parts about it. So we had like five people, five or six people, you know, like helping run the booth at any given time. So we had, you know, the freedom to be able to move around and go see stuff. But, you know, for the first two days, for the most part, we kind of just all stuck together and, and help run the booth, which was a lot of fun. But on Sunday, we had more freedom to, to go around and actually enjoy the show. So I would say, you know, aside from the hand sanitizer, bring some friends and family uh, to help you run that booth. That way you can actually enjoy parts of the show that you really want. Yeah, very true. Um, Mr. Haru asks, having gone to TMG too many games myself a few times, I'm curious if any of the MV staffers has a, have, uh, have a Sega quote-unquote holy grail they would like to own one day. While it may not mean much to others, mine is a never-been-opened, sealed Sonic & Knuckles complete in-box. I'll start this one out. I've mentioned it multiple times. Burning Rangers on the Sega Saturn. Uh, TJ Kitsune continues to taunt me with his copy. <laughs> But, um, yeah, Burning Rangers, someday I'll have it. Sketch, do you want to go? Uh, can you repeat the question? Because I was like, leaking about Burning Rangers, and I started veering <laughs> off into all the time. Like, That's what? okay. <laughs> um, and all you see is that cover in the multiple uh, levels. Right, right. All the, my, my life. For I know. Yeah, act. no, he, he asked, um, what's he was talking about how through too many games he was searching for his Holy Grail, and his of uh, a Sega Holy Grail is a never-been-opened, sealed Sonic & Knuckles complete in box. And I said mine is Burning Rangers. Oh, um, do I have a, so basically if 
what is my holy grail of gaming? Yeah, kind of one. I mean, you might already have it, but maybe one you're you're sort of searching for, or just kind of not really actively, but in the back of your head, this is the thing I want to own. You the know? only thing I want is that arcade one-up Star Wars arcade replica right behind me in the room. In my dream since <laughs> yeah. the, since I first walked into a Chuck E. Cheese in like '84, '85, whatever year it was, and I saw it standing there. I'm like, I want one of these in my house. I used to play it on DOS. I mean, I get it. It's not like a ROM that you can walk into gaming convention and fine but uh for me i i don't really like i i still own all the games i had when i grew up so i don't really like i never i didn't i didn't miss anything i think that's what it was growing up like the things that i missed i caught when they were on sale at the time so i even got chrono i found chrono trigger for like 20 bucks brand new in the box at a hollywood video when they went out of business you know so like have all those things you know Um, yeah that's how most of my collection is thankfully yeah, you know, so, but that arcade would be awesome. I also, I mean, if there could ever be like a arcade one-up House of Dead with the two controllers, yeah. it'd be fun, right? You know, like, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Like, I think maybe like in another year or two, like when they kind of go through and, because you're already seeing them like do some variations because they announced the Turtles cabinet, which has like a four, uh, four, uh, you know, players. So I think they're just, slowly building it up to where you know they're going to be able to start doing some some more wacky stuff so i i i don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility one day getting a, a shooter uh you know series in there because i only have room for for two of these things and i saved space so the arcade the star wars one was one i was always waiting for and then i see at turtles i always wanted to own that cabinet but a light gun game too hmm, which one would i play more but i i always wanted that turtles cabinet yeah, that that's a toughie. Um, Sega, I mean, like, if I had to pick a Sega game, I guess, you know, uh, if I could find Shining Force 3, all brand new. I would never play it, though. It would just be sitting on my shelf. So I don't really know if that's quite the illustrious win, you know? Yeah, it could. Yeah, yeah I think so. Any JRPG, honestly, is now. <laughs> but, I mean, it would have to be all three, you know? So. Okay, gotcha. Um and uh wait what was yours chris did you say one i had not said one um and so i i probably have a a a couple but um brand new c man (laughs) oh man don't don't do that to me uh no uh panzer dragoon saga is one that i'm I'm always on the lookout for and there was actually a a one there (laughs) and it seemed to be in in decent shape i didn't take end up taking a look at it just because I I don't have the money right now to be dropping you know hundreds of dollars on uh you know on a copy and I I see it every I see at least a copy every year I'm at too many games someone has one so it it seems like it's always available um, I just don't ever have that expendable money you know so what I need to do next year is just like slowly put aside you know some money you know whether it's like. 50 bucks every paycheck or something like that that way i can go there and, and get it i think they had one on the first day for like 300 bucks or something like that which <sighs> i doubt that was probably just the case i i thought it, they said 300 350 or something because you and i i thought you and i were looking at i remember one seeing day. one for 800 dollars. <laughs> is that what it was i could have sworn it was like pretty like it was it's fairly reasonable um outside of that though uh i'm what i really want is a jvc xi uh which is the um like a a system is basically like a Sega CD that was made by JVC. They licensed it from Sega and they did their own little system, which is really cool. Uh, it actually has like a three button uh, controller 
that says JVC on it uh, instead of Sega, uh, which is really cool. So that's kind of one of the the last oddities of my Sega uh, hardware collection that I need uh, before I feel like it's fairly complete. I started going into the uh, the SG-1000 uh, systems and starting to collect those. But as far as the ones that have been released in North America, uh, that's kind of the last one I want. And, and maybe I'll pick up a Sega Pico at some point. Uh, but the JVCXI is one that I really want. And you just really don't see those anymore. And it's crazy because like five years ago, you could pick them up for like 70 to 80 bucks. And now they're over two or $300 on eBay. Uh, so if I could finally find one of those at a decent price, I would be super happy. Gotcha. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Heavenly GeForce Graham follows up one more question. Uh, what would you do differently next time? He means for too many games. I think kind of just bring the stuff earlier that we had to go get the first day. Um, not let Rob come until we have our booth set up. Oh, yes. Because, yes. <laughs> because then we could make sure that no like natural disasters would befall us. Then, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Tornado Jones asks, will Pole Caliber be making a return at MAGFest? And if so, how will you guys do things to top too many games? We have no idea. Don't put that pressure on us. <laughs> no, we don't know yet. We're not sure. I mean, it'll, it'll make its appearance in some way, shape, or form for sure. You can bet on that at least. Yeah, if there's some way that we could play like a like you could put you could use the the fishing rods, but then implement like a Sega activator in there as well. That could be. Something. I mean, people could stand in the activator and it could be not plugged into anything, and it works just as well as when it is plugged in. That's so, hey, oh, true. So, um, I don't know. I I just I I want to see Pole Caliber continue uh, because I think that has some really cool potential uh that just a lot of people don't know about yet and uh we'll see really cool pole potential because the pole still burns oh hey potential oh, uh, and we're zipping up the sack with that one oh, all no, right I guess stuck. okay now it's zipped up uh okay so uh it's gonna wrap up this week's show uh we will be starting shipping issues to our patrons this week so we basically have to wait till the first of the month uh for patreon to just basically move all the charge everyone's accounts and and move that money over to the the megavisions account that of way, july of july correct and so um so once that happens and we make sure that you know everyone's uh transactions went through okay we can start shipping issues um the good thing too is so if if you came into the um, the Patreon uh, after uh, we we got everyone's orders, we will have some issues that we'll be able to sell all, uh, through our website, just like we did with issue seven. Uh, so more to come on that, but we're going to be doing all the fulfillment to our Patreon uh, folks first. Make sure they're taken care of, we'll get them that, and then once we uh, once we have everything shipped off, then we'll we'll look at how many copies that we have left, and then we'll we'll put those up and make those available uh, to everyone online on our website. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it. Does anyone ha elf else have any uh, last-minute things they want to plug or anything before we uh, take off for the week? Uh, I mean, we got the usual Twitch streams. Uh, I'm going to be playing more Rayman 2. Eventually, I'm going to kick in that Kiss Psycho Circus game because it, it's probably laughably enjoyable. 
Um, and TJ and Kusanagi and I are always streaming stuff, so just keep an eye on our Twitch and on our YouTube. Uh, one more shout-out to Scrubverse. I played Sonic R with them, four-player, whether they all wanted to or not, and it was a good time. Played some Worms Armageddon. That was a good time, too. Uh, but, yeah, just keep an eye on Twitch and YouTube and stuff. Sweet, sweet. Uh, Rob, anything that uh, you're doing? Are you, are you back to doing any live streams now? Uh, you know, the problem, though, with the live streams are that during the week I have a lot of... Uh, NDA stuff, and I'm always afraid I'm going to show a screen mm. on accident. You know? Oh, man. That's <laughs> so, that. yeah, and I just don't need Activision knocking on my door. So, what I'm trying to do is get back to the point where on like Sundays or Saturdays or whatever, I can, or maybe even Friday, I can do uh, commission streams where it's live art, traditional art. So that the, the only thing that ever gets seen is my drawing table, not my computer screen now. So, I'm in the the middle of doing that and getting up the next sketchcraft mega show which is a giant i do these five or six hour long podcasts uh every other month or so so um I, it's my way of being like youtube says that you can only put things up for 20 minutes and so i put up six hour long podcasts because fuck them <laughs> um so <laughs> and i do have fans like where's the next mega show i'm like you guys gotta chill like there's Go watch Avengers like two more times. Yeah. If you want that experience. Uh so that's coming. And then I'm walking my wife through the Oculus Quest tonight or tomorrow. And then I'm gonna go down to her work Wednesday, uh, before the big fourth of July weekend and walk all of her coworkers through it too. So that'll be an interesting experience. I'll have to share on the next Mega Visions podcast in a couple weeks. <laughs> I will say this. I think the next big purchase i'm going to end up making is I, I think i'm going to pick up a quest so well well done you will yep. not be disappointed yep. so. mine will be a coffee table hooray good way to adult there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i guess so i remember the uh quickly so my wife and i we the, we knew we were really adults when we were super excited to go down to the fries and pick up a black and white laser printer for nice. printing you know we're like we got this oh it's gonna be great we got into our car and she's like i'm my fucking parents now i'm like i know oh man I know. Yep. <laughs> there's always that moment when you realize like wow um uh, yep we are not kids anymore like we're i know. had that when my last roommate got a paper shredder and we were very excited about that <laughs> mm -hmm. so there we go like, what can't we shred get baloney yeah hey okay you've gone too far don't ruin the baloney so um, but yeah, so if you want to check out uh, Megavisions and actually become a Patreon member, go to patreon.com slash Megavisions and you can choose whether to receive a physical print edition or a digital issue of the magazine. And remember, if you subscribe to the physical version, you will automatically get the digital issue absolutely free. It was funny. There was actually some people at Too Many Games who asked us, like, do you guys just do the digital issue? Because... I, I prefer to read my magazines digitally, which is crazy to me because that is like the complete opposite of all the feedback that we got when we were doing the digital only issue. Everyone's telling us, go print, go print. We want physical. You know, I've thought about that, Chris. I just think what it is, right, is people at conventions don't want to carry a lot of shit because yeah. they're already buying stuff. So I just think it's one of those things where, like, well, if I just had this digitally, I would just read it on my phone. You know what I mean? But if they were set up their computer at home, they would be like, oh, I want that physically shipped to my house so I can put it on my shelf. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so the anyway, answer to that is we'll be selling Megavision shopping bags next convention. 
Yes. Huzzah. That's what we'll do. So anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We will be back here in two weeks. Next week will be, uh, we'll, I guess we'll be back to doing the, the Megavision Sideshow, right, Scotty? For patrons only. That's right. So we will see you next week. Take it easy. Later.